0: On the eve of his crucifixion, Jesus prays to his father. I have given them your word, and the world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them from the world, but you keep them from the evil one. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm your host Nate Gazau, and you're listening to aliens on earth please stick around we've got a very special episode just for you hey everyone welcome back this is episode nine and you're listening to the secret sauce to a life of wisdom and favor and you're thinking okay the secret sauce what could that possibly be right And well, to be honest, it's not quite a secret, but it still kind of eludes many believers in a way. A lot of times in Christianity, we think by practicing religion or following formula or ritual or perfect church attendance or strict self-discipline in the ways of God alone, those sort of acts of doing will grant us somehow God's favor and wisdom. God shows us this secret. And it's really all over the Bible, it's sprinkled all over the Bible, but today we'll look at Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 and then Psalms 147 as well. Proverbs 1 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And then it says... In uh, Psalms 147, 11, the Lord favors those who fear him, those who wait for his loving kindness. We see wisdom and favor. We see what holds them together. We see the common denominator. That's the fear of the Lord. You may be asking, okay, God's wisdom and his favor. Why do I even need wisdom from God? I feel like, you know, I've got a pretty good head on my shoulders. I'm pretty wise, you know. I've got, you know, a good background, good parents. I come from a good upbringing. What's God's wisdom going to do for me? But let me give you sort of a example. When you buy a bed from Ikea and you desire to use this bed in order to get the full benefits out of it, first, you need to assemble it, right? So you'll assemble the bed and then you'll use it. But in order to assemble that bed or to do it correctly, you need wisdom of some sort, Right and you need advice so you seek wisdom most of the time from the owner's manual and in order to get the full benefits out of the bed you have to assemble it in order to assemble it to get the full benefits you need to consult the owner's manual what if you just guessed or you know you just looked up something on the internet yeah it was close enough but not the exact instructions For the specific bed that you bought. You know, you can run the risk of incorrectly assembling the bed. If you do that, you won't really be able to fully enjoy the bed's benefits. And you may always be thinking in the back of your mind, did I do it right? Or is there another way I could have done to get it to match up or to get it to be even, the bed may break prematurely. It may be wobbly, make strange noises. Think about it like this. If you went to the owner's manual, no matter how skilled you are or how handy you are, if you consulted instruction from the owner's manual, you'll not only reap the benefits of the bed, but you'll also have the peace of mind to know that You've consulted the creator of that bed, in a sense, and the instructions that the person who designed it, fabricated it, made it, gave you those instructions, helps you to have that peace of mind to know that there's no better way to build that bed than the way you've been given. You see, wisdom in our lives is similar. We were created by God who gave us an owner's manual, his Bible, to instruct us on how we are to live our lives completely. Without wisdom, we risk preventable mistakes, you know, having to redo things that we could have gotten done right the first time. Without biblical wisdom, life becomes a constant guessing game. We can look to other sources, but they didn't really create us. So they can't fully know us. So they can't give us what we need. There will always be a struggle and a sense of unfulfillment. Okay, good, wisdom. That's fine. Maybe I do need God's wisdom because, you know, he did create me and all. But what about this favor thing? Why is favor important? Or specifically, why is God's favor important? Also think about that like this. Imagine you live in medieval times, you know, back in the day when there was kings and queens and all that. Let's just say, for example, the royal family really favored you. Or in other words, they approved of you. They supported you. They liked you very much and you know that you had their approval you know you have their support there's a certain level of confidence that you'll have you know when you know that they they favor you their favor can open up a plethora of opportunities and you know whether that's business deals respect in the community in the neighborhood that you live in people would just look at you differently as people we seek to find favor whether that's with our bosses at work or you know someone we hold to high esteem really think about this. What if, imagine, what if the creator of heaven and earth, the ruler of all, the king of all kings, the one who made you, designed you, fabricated you, the one who created the entire universe, imagine him favoring you and what that could do for your life. To be quite honest, wisdom and favor, especially combined together, they make kind of a secret sauce to life. They give us that edge up. It just gives us almost like a a secret fuel all this God tells us in scripture is a result of the fear of God it's a result of the fear of the Lord to be honest you may be thinking like okay well duh of course I fear the Lord I mean he's the Lord right like he he's the big guy upstairs but there's a deeper fear of the Lord than just trembling and fright there's a reverence a deep desire to exalt him a deep desire for exaltation to God and that doesn't come really as easily as the outer fear and trembling does because if we're being honest you can be scared of spiders poisonous snakes and different reptiles but it doesn't necessarily mean that you exalt them or have any sort of reverence for them you're just afraid of them because you know what they can do to you in the same truth some of us have that similar relationship with god we have a general fear of god that you know, we don't want to burn in hell, you know, we're afraid of God, but what if, you know, we didn't have that reverence, that exaltation, the desire to exalt him and to lift him higher, the desire to involve him in every bit of our lives and show him that reverence. And you may be thinking, okay, well, how can I be sure that I have that level of fear? How could I be sure that I have that fear of the Lord? And it's, kind of quite simple let's ask ourselves a few questions you know what role does god play in my life is he distant is he close is he the man upstairs waiting to punish me for my sin is he an abstract and philosophical concept that i don't even really understand our view of god and our relationship with him is what determines whether we fear him or revere him and desire him to be exalted. That dictates whether or not we have or receive his wisdom or we walk in his wisdom. That also dictates whether we experience his favor. And honestly, missing out on his wisdom can lead us to never experiencing the fullness of life that he desires for us. Without his favor, we may not walk in the boldness and confidence we otherwise would. Others may never see or acknowledge God in our lives. How much of our lives do we involve him in? How vulnerable are we willing to be with him? What territory does he take or place in our hearts? All this determines how much we revere or exalt him, to be honest. And think about it like this with me for a second. As a kid, do you remember ever having this feeling you go to a cousin's house or a friend's house and you go to whether it's a birthday party sleepover let's just say like one of the moms of your friend or cousin comes out so that would be your aunt so comes out but let's just say it's like a friend a friend's mom comes and tries to give you some sort of life advice or see something in you and says tries to discipline you what's the first thing you think of and i mean come on be honest if you're anything like me i'd be thinking you ain't my mama you ain't my daddy you cannot tell me what to do and i'm not listening to you and i may not verbally say this out loud but in my heart i could be thinking this and i most definitely probably was as a young person why would i feel that way what's the reason for that she's just probably trying to give me some wisdom give me some advice she's probably you know has a genuine concern for me It's because we know that our parents have a place in our life where we acknowledge that they know and do what's good for us. They brought us into this world. They provide for us. We depend on them for literally everything. They're the people we go to when we fall, get bruises, get hurt. When we're excited about that science fair project for school and You know, they stay up and help us make our project all night. We have a sort of a reverence for them because we have an intimate relationship and reliance on them. We understand that we're under their care, really under their control. And we develop this love for them. We want to hold them to high esteem. We desire them to be pleased with us. In result of us fearing them, exalting them, desiring them to be pleased with us we accept their words we accept what they tell us what they impart into our lives and we take that as wisdom when we take that wisdom we find favor in their sight really and it's it's amazing because it's different when someone's distant you know when someone doesn't know you like that or you don't open up to someone or you're far away from someone it's different because you're not really sure of their intentions or you know you won't allow them into your life beyond the surface level. Regardless of how good that person is or how awesome that person is, because you don't have a relationship, because you don't know them like that, regardless of whether their advice, wisdom, and you know favor. Is valid or not, you won't accept it. You know, we can think if we're honest, do we see God as that mom at the party that approaches us and, you know, tries to impart his wisdom or, you know, show us favor? And we're just like, yo, I don't know, you like that? Maybe just on Sundays, you know, we get a little offended, but honestly, in order to really fear God in the essence of of reverence and respect, he has to take the place of lordship. He has to be involved in every part of our lives. How we perceive him affects whether or not we accept his wisdom, whether or not we see his provision, whether or not we walk in his favor. And some of us see God through a lens of maybe our own parents or what we hear of him in our schools in our friend groups our wisdom comes from created beings and really not from him comes from other sources you know just like that bed we if we seek somewhere else we never have that peace of mind you know to know that okay this is the fullest this is the best let me tell you something god is closer than you think He's bigger than you can even imagine. And honestly, you depend on him for more than you ever did your parents. For your very breath that you breathe, what you inhale and exhale, for your protection. You actually really need God more than you know. When you can view God rightly, you'll begin to fear him. You'll begin to reverence him. You'll begin to exalt him when you realize just how much you actually depend on him. And there's a, there's an amazing picture Of God Um, in Isaiah 40, starting from verse 12, it says, Who has measured the waters and the hollow of his hand, and marked off the heavens by the span, and calculated the dust of the earth by the measure, and weighed the mountains in a balance, and the hills in a pair of scales? Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord, or as his counselor? has informed him with whom did he consult and who gave him understanding and who taught him in the path of justice and taught him knowledge and informed him of the way of understanding behold the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales behold he lifts up the islands like fine dust even lebanon is not enough for him to burn nor its beasts enough for a burnt offering all the nations are as nothing before him so in this part you know it's talking about how big god is when he measured the earth when he measured the waters it was in the palm of his hand and it's like he's huge it says who gave him wisdom who taught him the path of justice who taught him knowledge who informed him who showed him the way of understanding no one god knows all things every book that you've ever read by your favorite author all those people that we look to for advice and wisdom They had to get their wisdom from somewhere, right? They had to get their knowledge from someone else. How much of it, you know, if we really get down to the nitty gritty, how much of it is actually wisdom? Who informed God? Who showed God? No one. God is the source of all wisdom. What's amazing, if we keep reading on, it says all the nations are nothing before him. They they are regarded by him as less than nothing. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare with? And then he goes on further to say, As for the idol, a craftsman casts it, a goldsmith plates it with gold, and a silversmith fashions the chains of silver. He who is too impoverished for such selects a tree that doesn't rot, and seeks out for himself a skillful craftsman to prepare an idol that will not totter. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. So he's God is, you know, he's saying in this word, you know, idols even, man-made things. How do you turn to an idol? How do you compare God with an idol? How do you compare the wisdom of God, the likeness of God, the greatness of God? To something that's man made? How can you compare the Bible to social media? How can you compare the Bible to earthly wisdom, to earthly things? How can you compare God's likeness to that of something that's created? They do not compare. All these created things pale in comparison to the everlasting God and his wisdom. It just puts into perspective. He says, Have you not heard? Have you not seen? Really? It's amazing how big God is, how truly all-encompassing, all-knowing he is. It says, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. And it says, he it is who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted and scarcely have they been sown. Scarcely has their stock been taken root on earth, but he merely blows on them and they wither and the storm carries them away like stubble and then god continues to say to whom then will you liken me that i would be his equal says the holy one lift up your eyes on high and see who has created the stars the one who leads forth their host by number he calls them by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power not one of them is missing it's amazing how big and good God is. Sometimes, you know, we get lost. We think, okay, God is so big, but where is he at in my life? In here, in the next verse, it says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice do me escapes the notice of my God? Do you not know and have you not heard the everlasting God? The Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow tired. They will walk and not become weary. It's beautiful what God's word tells us of who God is, just how majestic and powerful God is. How that people that trust him, that rely on him, that wait on him, that honor him, and that really devote themselves to him. He also, in return, grants them the wisdom and the favor. And it's beautiful because... Even Hebrews 4.13 tells us nothing in all creation is hidden from God. God sees and knows all things. Psalms 147 also tells us from verse 2 to 9. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. So God has like a fatherly, caring, loving character and nature and says he gives names to all of them great is our lord and abundant is his strength his understanding is infinite the lord supports the afflicted he brings down the wicked to the ground and you know it just shows us god's character and how he cares for us how he cares for his children why wouldn't i want to be close to this god why would i not want to reverence him and exalt him And I'll end with this point. To fear God is to know him. When you realize who he is to you, who he really is, you'll have a reverence for him like never before. And in return, every decision you make that comes through his wisdom, every decision you make that involves him, everything you do that comes from him and comes from his wisdom will flourish your life. And you'll begin to walk in God's favor. And no amount of self-help books, masterclasses, gurus could ever give you the wisdom and favor and fulfillment that the fear of the Lord can. When you choose to revere him in all your decision making and honor him and involve him in even the minute things of your life, he will begin showing up in them and showing you his favor. See God for who he really is and revere him and begin to enjoy that secret sauce. Until next time, this is Aliens on Earth, and I'm your host, Nate Gazelle. If you've enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes, please download them, share them with your friends, comment, tell us what you think. And most of all, tune in next week as we have a brand new episode just for you. This is Aliens on Earth. And until next time, I'm your host, Nate Gazelle.